Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, special shout out to our patrons. We have two new members, Rich and Nom. So thank you for your support and to everyone. Nom! Hey. <laughs> yeah, give Nom all the shout outs. <laughs> well, it's like cheers, right? He walks into the bar and he's just like, no. Actually, the, the name's kind of uh, Rich and Nom. So, well. I didn't plan it, but it just happened. So. No, no, no one shouts out for Rich. Rich, you weren't in cheers. Sorry, but Norm, <laughs> Norm. <laughs> ah, this is this is beautiful. <laughs> oh, so yes, yeah, so everyone listening, um, if you want to join us and support, please do. You know, we're trying to build community, and there's a whole lot of more things we need to do. We need to bring more people on the team, and. Um, go forward and we're just at the beginning we're not even at the tip of the iceberg yet so there's a lot more things that will be coming up in the future but um, we know that these are hard times and not everyone can support financially but you can also support by liking subscribing sharing especially on itunes you know go give us that push on the algorithms give us a positive review five stars keep it coming you know and we appreciate all that and if you tag me and take a screenshot of your um, posting the reviews and, you know, post on social media, um, there's a reward. You know, I, I, I appreciate it. You know, we'll send you a little something and we'll try and say thank you. We'll do a draw and say thank you. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get Michael back to come do the draw. So I've given the first name out of uh, our guest today. So enough of Yeah, I'll just all fake that. it and just say it's my name and, you know, like... <laughs> I'll, I'll just be like, it's me. I won. I, I didn't. I didn't support anything for the you, Patreon, you, you, but I won. You sound like um, uh, what's his name? Um, the collector from Thor Ragnarok. Yay! Yeah. I, the only thing I collect is um, <laughs> bad vibes. Oh, <laughs> uh, and also and back pain. Um, you can get our our t-shirts in all colors. Uh, well, as many colors as possible. Your favorite colors will probably be one of them at vetclothing.com. And yeah, go support small businesses, you know, um, minority businesses, help them out. And yeah, bring that money in. We need it. So enough of all that. Let's jump to today's guest. I'm so happy and honored to have Michael Bonham. Did I say it right? Yeah, it's Michael Burhan. Burhan. Um, Burhan. Yeah. I went, I went. Either that, you can call me Mike or, you know, that weird person from England. Well, I know a lot of weird people from England, like a lot. They play football with me every, every Friday. Yeah, they're the people who come from the United Kingdom who think they're weird. And then there's me. I'm the guy <laughs> that you basically just don't let talk to people because every time I talk to people, people just look at me in disgust. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness so a little bit um you know I, I don't know if i should even go ahead and try and introduce you or would you just like to introduce yourself 
Uh, okay, I'm I'm an an actor in a sense. What kind of an actor in a sense? Um, I'm the guy that you've seen and stuff, but you probably don't know it. Like you'd be like, oh, I, I know that guy from somewhere, but I can't place his name. Uh, I've done loads of stuff. I've had a, over a 20 year career. And then I decided to pack up all my shit, move to China, uh, adopt a bunch of animals um, because I don't like seeing stuff that's homeless. And now I'm teaching in China slash being a man whore. So there's the, those two things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying life. Uh, I'm close to 40 years old now. So it's, it's, it's very, so it's we're, we're in the same club. Feeling. I'm close to yeah, 40. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm knocking for I'm I'm slightly tapping on 40's door going, hi. It's Me too. Some, sometimes really I, 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 I talk like I'm 40 and I'm, my wife's like, no, you're not. You, you got well, one, one I'm more the year. same thing. I'm like, dang it. I say it to everybody. I'm like, I'm all, I was like, I'm 40 years old. I don't need this shit. And my kids go, actually, dad, you're not 40 years old. You're 39 years old. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's close enough. I, I, like, yeah, you know, I, I'm getting I to just, 40. We should start getting the benefits, right? We, we, should, we, we deserve the benefits. But no. The, well, the benefits of being 40 are back pain, um, uh, joint pain. Uh, and, and basically. I, 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 we don't have to spoil it for them. You know, there's some people who, like, I have a younger cousin. He's like 20, 24 now. And sometimes the way he talks about, oh, man, I can't wait to be your age. I'm like, God, Lee, man, this guy. Is yeah, it's like you can't wait to be in that, that stage where you get to the realization of like, I'm halfway through life and I haven't accomplished shit like, at all. Like, yeah, I haven't accomplished anything. And then I have that crippling anxiety in the back of my head going, well, you're going to die soon. And like, you haven't done anything. All you've done is like, decorated your house with cats and dogs <laughs> oh man but that's not so, all about you though you're also an actor a writer yes. director yes. ceo yes. of enigma entertainment um, yes you're all around content creator i'll put it that way yeah so. yeah uh i've i've spent my life creating things um one of my biggest thrills in life was that i pitched a television series to the bbc uh we were in the planning stages before they ended up in a bit of hot water over some tax issues and um they were migrate they didn't they didn't know what to do with bbc3 so they let me go um and i didn't get the rights to my tv show back until i think it was about five years ago now oh. so uh it it's been I'm probably the guy that you would go to if you need to talk about what you should and shouldn't do in terms of this industry, because it's a very, this industry has had a lot of positive effects, but also a lot of negative effects. And especially with the stuff that's been going on recently, like uh, a fellow Brit, Noel Clark got outed recently as being a complete creepo um, due to the fact that he harassed more than one woman. Um, and like all these women like kept coming out you know saying yeah he, he so, harassed so, me so like he a, harassed her have you weinstein of the uk it's it's very it's very much well not on weinstein's effect because weinstein's situation well, he was, was a, he's a rapist too so but not just that it's just the fact that everybody enabled him to be okay. a rapist uh -huh. you know yes um it's that whole untouchable effect you know like when they talk about serial killers yeah. and the, the thrill for the serial killer isn't the fact that they're killing, but more the fact that they aren't getting caught. You know, yeah. they feel invincible. They feel like uh, invulnerable. Like if I want to preface something uh, as an example, um, they, they they feel like a real life supervillain, like a, 
a, a Magneto or a Thanos, you know. Mm, um, and the, okay. the the biggest problem with that situation is the more they don't get caught, the more people um, make mistakes and the more people enable the behavior, the yes. more outlandish they will do. Because like Weinstein even knew the fact he was being recorded by an actress when he tried to sexually harass her and said, and, and like, if you listen to the audio, it's like him going, well, you know, it's it's the thing you do, just just do it. It's like, it's fun, you know, let yourself go. And, um, and then eventually, eventually you'll get what you want. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, dude, read the room. She said, no, uh -huh. <laughs> she said, no, thank you. I don't want this. And, and he still did it. Uh -huh. um, and it's, it's just basically in that situation where Noel Clark and he was, he was basically given the keys to the kingdom. You know, True. he was an independent artist. He made a movie called kid Hood. Uh, he basically was one of the premier actors in BAFTA. They, they, were, they took pride in him. Uh, and he won like the People's Choice Awards and stuff like that. And he ruined it all because he couldn't keep his hands to himself. And being a dad who has daughters, right? It's it's all fun and games being a bit of a hoe and and sleeping around and doing what you want to do, you know? And I'm not just saying women, I'm saying men too, because yes. us men are hoes, are just big enough hoes as well. Um, it's fun and games doing that. But when it's non-consensual and you like try and lord someone's career over them and try and force them into a position of submissiveness so that you get what you want is absolutely atrocious. And I think I'm glad that Weinstein is being held accountable. I hope he rots in hell, a freaking bastard. Um, but the same situation with Noel Clark right now, where he's kind of being silent about the situation and pretending that it doesn't exist. You know, he's hoping that it goes away. Oh. Uh, in, in terms of the allegations, that that's all they are right now. They're allegations. No one has come forward to press charges. Uh, the police aren't doing anything. And it's, and if you look back to the industry as it was prior anyway, like, I don't know if you know about a guy called Jimmy Savile, the BBC. Yes, yes. And protected yes. him when he was going around freaking like the, the dude would be raping corpses and shit, mm -hmm. you know, he, he was into everything. Um, and the BBC protected him and it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Like allegations aren't enough. There has to be physical evidence. And the problem being is no one is going to prosecute anyone just because someone says that they, they did something. Um, but the court of public opinion has basically counseled him because of the fact that multiple women came forward and, and I'm glad they did. They are brave individuals. And I'll say this to anybody who has been in that situation, you are very brave. The, the fact that you've come forward and you are fighting for yourself. Um, but the, the biggest problem still is we have this negative stigma around it. People are calling yeah. like each other names, like yeah, if you're uh, a fan of that person. Yeah, it's, it's like we, we jump to stuff. protect the person first before we, so we protect yeah, our, we do, we our, our, our star first before yeah. we, and we'll be like, oh, the, the, there must be an agenda behind a victim. Because there uh, always uh, has to be an agenda. There's always right? an yeah, agenda. Right? Like, why, why you want to bring this star down? Why do you want and that kind of thing? But I'll have to cut you there because. Yeah, of course. I was, we're going. We're going. We're still going to come back to this because it's something that I really want to talk about. So that's some um, meat that we'll, we'll have to cut into later on. You know, of course, my, my pun. But <laughs> um, before we get to all the serious, heavy stuff, which we've already touched, 
let's get to the very beginning because I need to know you, like you, you. Yes. So where were you? Well, you know, where's your place of birth and what was your childhood like? I was born in the United Kingdom from a half Palestinian Turkish woman and a father who was Turkish Cypriot, but also a bit of an asshole. My childhood was like most, you know, I had a mother who loved me dearly and would protect me, but I also had a father who was a complete and utter douchebag. Um, I always used to say this to my dad. I said, I would never, if I knew you as a person, I would never go out and have a drink with you because you're just, you're very self-destructive. He, um, as Prince Harry said about his life, uh, I can mirror my life. Well, I can mirror anybody's life. There's a cycle of abuse. Mm. And once you go through a cycle of abuse, you, that abuse repeats and repeats and then repeats unless you acknowledge said abuse yes. and go, hey, maybe I need to not do that. You know, maybe I need to kind of go away from that, steer clear of that and, and find my own way. Um, and that's kind of what I've I've been doing. You know, I went into a, into kind of a downward spiral um, with the country I was living in. Uh, and even after my father passed away, uh, it was a bit hard trying to justify that his behavior. Uh, so you, you, and, you and your dad always stayed in touch, even if it was a frosty relationship? It, it, yeah, we always stayed in touch because we were, it, the, the thing about it is it's very much a cultural thing where uh, even if your family is manipulative and abusive. Trust me. I, um, I, yeah, it, it's yeah you're like, you know, because they, they'll always will be like, well, you know, it's your job to look after the parents. And you've exactly. kind of been co-signed that kind of thing, you know, especially like even in here in China, you have the grandparents looking after the children so that the children would look after the grandparents you know uh, the mum and dad would hand their children over to their mother and father to look after for them and then once the grandparents uh, have finished doing that and the kid has grown up then the kid will financially and physically support the grandparents when they're like no longer able to do anything um and it's it's just I find that like that kind of relationship, just a, a really bad one, you know, and I, I love my dad. I will say this as, uh, as anybody, I love my dad. My dad was a horrible human being. He didn't know how to be a dad. He didn't know how to, um, do anything apart from raise his hands and raise his fists. Mm. He constantly jealous of any accomplishment I ever had. Um, and he was, but the, the thing is he wasn't as bad to me as he was to my brothers. Like my brothers got it even worse. Um, but yeah, I it, I developed a lot of issues uh, living in the United Kingdom. So, so where um, where in the United Kingdom exactly? Uh, London, uh, okay. London, England. Uh, I was I was privileged to be living in London, but I was also living in London uh, with an impoverished family. Like mm. my dad was. Um, by the time I came along with my brother, my dad was working hard. Uh, he had that conservative mindset of, you know, you've got to build your own thing and yeah. work hard and eventually you'll be a millionaire. And it didn't happen. If he went you work hard, you'll make it. Yeah. The way which, we, how many immigrants? It's like, uh, we, we, we told that you, all you got to do is study, work hard, you'll make it. I, I told the yeah, girl yeah. in my class, um, I was, my, you know, I, I went to university late after I'd gotten out of the military. So I was like, almost 32 when I got my bachelor's and my final, one of my final classes, um, the professor asked, uh, it was a business class and the professor asked, um, how, uh, what do you think it takes to make it for someone to make it in life? 
And this girl just, you know, um, you know, if you go to school, you work hard, and you know, you get your education, you make it in life. And I was like, you know what? I hate to bust your bubble. You've never, you've never seen life. So, uh, no, that's a bloody yeah. lie. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. Like, it's like I made an enemy for life that day. Because <laughs> it was like her dreams just crashed. I was like, look, do uh, you, you know the janitor, one of the janitors downstairs in this university? It's actually a private university. And uh, that guy has a degree. He moved from another yeah. country. He was, he was, he's a brilliant mind. But he's one of the he's, he's the most hardest working person in this university. He's here pretty early, cleans all the bathrooms and all that. Well, why is he not a millionaire? You ever thought about that? You can't see it that way because all you see is oh, I go to university. But it's who you know. It's your connections, and if you get the right connection, you you don't even need to work hard. You just need to work smart. And no, I agree with you. And then she was like, uh. That well, um, oh, I said, yeah, that dude. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't try to fight you, but just making a point that you know, we didn't change that language because almost all our immigrant parents that's the thing what they were told, and I know where the messaging comes from, and that's how we, we beat it into our, our kids. And that's one thing I'm, I'm not doing to my daughter, like, nope, you, you, it's not, I'm not gonna beat it into you because I, I, I got it, I, I. Used to be with the guy who swallowed that language. I breathed by that language until I started mm. looking around one day. I was like, "Why? Why am I? I, I don't. I, I, I used to. I hardly even took uh, vacations. It, it's something that I'm, I'm programming myself to say it's okay to take a break. <laughs> like Josh, we even tell sometimes, yeah. Like, yeah, you could take a break. It's good. Uh, it's like yeah, but it comes from that. Work hard, you make it. Work hard, work hard. Kill yourself down. If you don't work hard, <laughs> you're not almost dead. You don't deserve because you, you you can't be a millionaire like that. So, yeah, I, I, I always it it relates in almost all our communities, almost all. Well, something that reflected to me yeah. um, was something that Donald Trump said. He goes, "I, you know, I was a self-made man. I was just given a million dollar loan by my dad, <laughs> and I just started laughing. My dad literally <sighs> couldn't give me a broken penny when I came <sighs> out of college. Um, I went to art school, and then I decided I wanted to be a professional wrestler." And um, I remember my dad was like, you need an education. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I just want to do pro wrestling. Because uh, my favorite match was Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik. And this is before Hulk Hogan. Came oh, out yeah, game. I remember that. <laughs> this, is, this is before Hogan came out as the, the big N-word guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. This was, this was um, yeah. early 90s. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, was it, was it the, one, versus... the one they had in Iraq? Was it the one they had in Saudi Arabia or the one in Iraq? The one... No, no, no. It was uh, Sergeant Slaughter. He came out as an Iraqi sympathizer and they had like okay. Madison Square Garden. It was okay. him versus Slaughter. Yeah. They had to downgrade it to like a, a smaller arena. I remember like when I was <laughs> reading, I was watching the documentaries and reading stuff about it. I was like, this is my favorite match of all time. And everyone is slating it. Um, uh, it was the, big in like, Nigeria. <laughs> but, you know, when, when Hogan... Um, came out as being a complete racist and he still is a complete fucking racist uh i am i basically lost uh any faith in in him as a person but pro wrestling was so much more like i i I managed to have two good years of my career before breaking my ankle and being told never to do it again um and then went into acting and i remember my dad sitting in his in his hospital bed because he was always in and out of hospital because he doesn't fucking listen to anybody very very stubborn old man and he sat there and went you're never going to make it as an actor you're just going to be a background or an extra and 
I was really annoyed mm. about about that because he never appreciated anything. Like he would tell everybody else, my son's amazing, he's an actor. But he wouldn't tell me that. He would never give me like the the kindness and stuff. Yeah. Plus, when I was at school, I used to get bullied a lot because kids hated my guts. Um, a lot of it was because of my own family and their toxic nature. So I basically um, came out of London and was just like, I don't want to be here. I fell in love with America. Like I used to watch um, American TV all the time when I was a kid. It was my kind of foray into like American culture. Uh, I would watch stuff like Married with Children, Frasier, um, the, the TV show Friends, mm. and loads of other stuff because I, I was just in love with uh, America in, in general. And when I was progressing in my acting career, I wanted to move to America. America. You know, I wanted okay. to move to America and, and, and be an actor there, but it just never it never materialized because I didn't have the things that I needed to progressively move. Uh, plus I didn't have the 10 grand I needed to kind of apply for a visa and stuff only to be told not to. So, um, okay, wait, before, before we, we go, um, yes. a little bit further, <laughs> um, I want two questions. So yes. your neighborhood, the part of London that you grew up in, was it a diverse neighborhood or was it, um, you know, yeah, was it a diverse neighborhood? And then in all the negativity that happened with your mm -hmm. growing up and the toxicity that you were around, I would still like to know what you consider your favorite childhood memory. My favorite childhood memory was um, video games, to be honest. Uh, my dad was a huge film buff and a huge video game buff. He had a ColecoVision um which uh was basically produced as part of the gaming crash and my dad used to bring that out and we used to play games like donkey kong oh, donkey uh, kong. dr pepper that has been forever do yeah we used to play like video games together all the time that they were kind of the, the best moments right um and i i used to enjoy those those situations with my life being at home i hated being at school um, but a lot of it wasn't the lessons themselves. It was just the kids uh, and the dealing with all the, the bull crap that you had to do as a kid being right. bullied by other kids because you wanted, I, I was always told to button down and just study. And that's what I did. Right. And other kids didn't like that very much. So I'd get the crap beaten out of me on a regular basis. Um, but that, that was my favorite time. My dad used to let me stay up at times as well and record dirty movies for him. Um <laughs> because that was the kind of person my dad was like we like when i turned 17 he took me to mm. a shop that was selling porn and goes can you buy these for me the guy knows me and i'm just looking at him like why why are you doing this to me oh man. like seriously and i actually went in there uh paid with his money to buy like some pornos and my dad goes here you can have one i'm like i don't want your freaking porn cast-offs no thank you <laughs> He was a very strange man, my dad. Yeah, that was bonding, I guess. Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> he he had no. Um, he, there's a word in it, like where people say he had no chill. My dad had no chill. Right? He didn't understand the uh, the fundamentals of raising a child to become a productive member of society. He instead tried to f screw me up as much as he was screwed up because that's how he learned. You know, that's the way he mm -hmm. learned from his dad. If I may um, ask, how 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 old was he when 
when he became a parent? You... Uh, he was very young, fairly young. Okay. Uh, I think in his teens. Ah, right, right. Yeah. Um, my mom was older than him. Uh, and he, again, he was kind of going like, you need to marry, you need to have kids. And yep. then his thing to me was, you need to marry, you need to have kids. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did the same thing and married at the age of 25. Mm. I married. Uh, I remember because it was the same time I was going balding as well. And I married a woman who we weren't right for each other at all. But we had we have four beautiful children. Like my daughters and my sons are amazing. My daughters, uh, my <laughs> my youngest daughter is a rebel. She just wants to fucking cause so many headaches for her mom uh, in general. And she's too smart for her own good to the point where she was in religious education class and she keeps pointing out the flaws uh, I like in the class I <laughs> and I'm just like I love you to pieces sweetie but can you just please not do that and she went why I said just pass the class pass the class then you won't have to take it again after secondary school you don't have to take it again mm. but she's like why it's full of shit and I'm like yes I know this but at the same time like I appreciate anyone like I'm, uh, I'm not a religious person I know people who are and I appreciate it you know you you have your mm. passions that's great as long as you don't use it to justify your own freaking personal hatred of people then I've got no issue but my daughter has no chill when it comes to stuff like that my eldest daughter has she reminds me a little bit of me she has a lot of anxiety um mm. So she doesn't like to be around people. Uh, she gets stressed out a lot and people tend to bully her because she's very easy in terms of um, being bullied because she does, she's pretty much an outcast when it comes to people. Mm. Um, my two sons are very insane. Uh, my youngest son is very lovely, mama's boy. My oldest son is pretty much uh, silly too. But, you know, they're, they're good kids. They're all very, very smart, very good kids. And I'm doing everything I can to kind of try and give them as much of a, a perfect life knowing that they're not i'm not around them uh right now and uh, to be honest being here i miss them but i know being here is probably a better idea than being back in the uk because i in the uk i had no opportunity here i have i have a lot of opportunity and there's no glass ceiling here which is good well, I'm, I'm glad that um your kids are not going through that ex um, same toxicity that you went through. And mm. um, it's important that we break that cycle. And, you know, we, we need to as parents, we, we, because we if we to. don't, yeah, because it, then it's, we're, it's, uh, we're raising people to be exactly yeah. like us. And then those people are just going to be even more damaged than we were. It's, it's um, another reason why um, I'm always, um, against the oh she must be like me or she must uh using the languages that emphasize um, like oh if the child is not um towing the line they are they've lost their the identity that they come from i'm like no that's that's part of the identity and i, I love it i, I encourage my, yeah, my daughter is barely she's gonna be three soon and she's already i'm pushing i encourage i not like pushing her I encourage her yeah, i support her when i see the, the tendencies like if she wants to eat nigerian mm. food that's fine if she wants to eat german food her mom is german that's fine if she wants to eat whatever that's fine but she does if she wants nigerian music whatever music listen to it all Don't, and if tomorrow she says she's religious as much as i'm anti-religion uh, i'll be like that's fine one day you'll be like your mom and wake up and be like this is mm. this is bs and i'm out i agree 
the, the way works. the way I always say it is, um, and I said this to my daughter the other day because we, we had a conversation after they didn't talk to me for like four months mm-hmm. uh, due to me and them. I'm having a few issues, and I, she was telling me about like I want to leave, you know, and I'm just like, look, listen, fuck your mum, fuck me, right? Focus on you, focus on what you need. Yeah. Um, look at self care, take care of yourself, do what you need to do to make sure that you're happy. Well, because in the end, you know, yeah, that's all you need. That's all you can have. Happiness is the only thing you can have. Um, because this world is a very short time, you have a very short lifespan. And if you're not happy, if you spend most of your life miserable, then what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's true. Yeah, that's that's one of the best advice that we can give our kids and younger ones because um there was a time I there was I, I did a volunteer event once in the Bronx pre-pandemic mm-hmm. and I was the only person of color at this uh, event where a bunch of veterans who came there, but most of them were from the financial sector and um yeah, they were I think they were all white. I think there was only myself and an Asian dude. So I was the only black person actually that was there, but all the kids were teenagers all black and yeah. um they found out that i was in college then so all of them started gravitating towards me because they had questions because they were from uh some of them were migrants some of them were from um, most of them were from you know the, the poorer neighborhoods and i could relate to the questions that they had and the girls you know, kept bringing questions like, how do I know what I want to study? How do I know what, what my profession? Or what? And I was like, I don't, honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. But uh, the one thing I could tell you is, uh, yeah, the, focus on you. There's nothing wrong with if you don't have that clear path right away. Because mm-hmm. tomorrow your passion can, you know, it can change. But it's okay to pursue your passion. But I, I think by the end of our discussion, you could. it was like their faces lit up. Because they were hearing something from someone that they're not, you, people don't normally tell them because everybody's like, you must go make that money. You must go buy a house. You must go this. You must marry, especially if you're girls. You must go marry, make babies. And, you know, but I was like, that's not important. The most important thing is you. Yeah. Your happiness. You take care of yourself. Even a boy, come, mm-hmm. no, forget the boys. No. No boy loves you right now. You, you know, you're what, 15, 16? No boy knows love. None of them. So it's love. all about the penis right now. It's <laughs> Trust like boys, boys Trust touching, their, touching their woolies, Just hoping fo- to get some action. Focus on you. If you don't know what you want to study, that's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Don't rush. Take your t- You can't always change your mind tomorrow. And, you know, the, 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 the joy, I think that was like the best. It was after that day, I realized that it was, after that, I saw the impact on the kids. I started com- coming out even more to volunteering because I realized that, you know, they don't usually see people like myself at events like that. You usually see only like white people and yeah. those guys can really relate. It's probably someone who's from a richer background and it's like, yeah, you know, if you work hard, you make it. And even they have with good intentions, but it's, you just send them, they keep hearing that. They've been hearing that in school. They hear that everywhere. So they're like, ah, oh, another one again. Because we're, we're, basically like training our children to be these um like workers you know workers. factory workers every, yeah yeah and, and it's, it's pretty much the same thing like you know when boomers and and the reason why they're called boomers is because they were around from the, during the baby boom era right mm-hmm. and 
they were like, oh, you know, I worked hard and I got a house and now I'm a millionaire. And it's like, fuck off, Steve. The, the reason why you're a millionaire is because when you were working, the price of inflation wasn't as much as it is now. Which, True. Um, basically due to a housing market crisis because every fucking rich fucker on the planet is buying houses and using them as equity. Yes. Um, we're in a position where people cannot buy a home at the affordable price. You cannot work a seven-day-a-week position for a company like, say, McDonald's or for um, a big store chain that you're working for. Like a gas station. And yeah. yeah. And you're paying your your most of your wages are used to pay rent. Mm -hmm. But if you buy a house, if you get a loan, then you're paying it's cheaper. But the problem is your credit is so shit, you can't do that. Exactly. So you're gonna have to build up a deposit. And you can't build up a deposit because you're stuck paying rent and paying all your bills. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I kind of caught on rather early with um when I left. And I, I moved to China was that things are a lot cheaper here. Like I can live off less here. When I was first in China, my first uh, like month in China, I spent a hundred pounds for a month. A month. Ma imagine that, right? I was living off ramen, <laughs> but I, I, I was spending a hundred pounds for a month. And my rent probably was paid good for. ramen too. Yeah. And, and my rent was paid for. I, I had a bed to sleep in. I was, you know, I, I basically was able to survive on a hundred pounds a month. Then uh, once I, I got my paycheck, I was able to buy things, you know, and I, I was basically on the same amount as someone would earn working seven days at a store like Walmart, like a thousand bucks. I had a thousand bucks and I chose to take half that paycheck and send it home. Mm. Uh, you know, because I, I needed it like for my family. So I lived on yes. 500 bucks. Then um, once that position ended and I negotiated for another job, I'm here in Shanghai now and I'm earning the equivalent of nearly 3000 bucks and I don't pay rent. I don't pay um, any of my bills apart from my internet and my phone bill. That's it. And when I look at that, and looking how much of a privileged position I'm in here, it makes me laugh how in a Western society where we're like, we have freedom of speech, we have this, we have that, we have everything else, right? Mm -hmm. And they have the assy, assiness to, to say, oh, but, you know, you can't buy a house. You can't own your things. We're not going to give you a livable wage. Because why should we give you a little wage? Yeah. And then they wonder why so many people are moving to streaming platforms and YouTube and, and Twitch and uh, making content creating and saying, fuck it, I'm going to live off of this instead of living off of your me, your freaking scraps. Because people don't see the value of other people. When you work for a convenience store, like I used to work for a place called Jay Sainsbury's, um, after I finished university, because I went, I wanted to um, like see if I could live my life on my own because I was divorced at the time. I'm still divorced, but you know, I was starting out um, on my own after finishing university. And I, I got an apartment. The apartment was literally one bedroom in a shop 
that some Jewish guy owned who was not paying tax on it, who then basically said that I was living there after he kicked me out. Um, and I and I ended up having to pay his shortfall. It's just ugh, so much drama. But and, um and long gun is the, like your, your your rent there, your apartments there, like I was woo. paying, I was paying my rent, I was paying my apartment, I was earning like a thousand bucks a month. And the company did not give a shit about me. They didn't care if I lived. They didn't care if I died. If I didn't come into work, yeah, they you, would you have to show up. throw not... me in a meeting. They would treat me like I was scum, like I didn't deserve to work there, that I was just nothing, you know? And most companies do this. They treat you like you're just a cog in the wheel. If you don't do the job, we'll find someone else to replace you, That's someone it. for cheaper. It's that simple. And it's really horrendous because now we're treating people like their numbers yeah, and they're yeah, That's what it is. It's yeah. just treating people like their numbers. And, you know, you bring a point that um, someone actually told me this back when I was working security in Texas. Mm -hmm. And the person, I think the person noticed that I, I didn't take a break. Or, yeah, I didn't take a day off. I was just always at work. You know, my breaks were public holidays because I didn't have to come in for a holiday. Yeah. And even on holidays, the company tried to switch me to another location that ran 24-7. You know, they were like, oh, we'll we give you overtime. And which was like $1 extra pay or $2 or something. Oh, there was barely anything. Um, tell them to take that overtime and put it up yeah, your ass. Yeah, overtime was nonsense. And someone... Said, I think it was one of the directors, or yeah, it was one of the executives. They all noticed them. You're like, you're always here, man. You're always on time. You're dressed up. You're nice. Mm -hmm. You're one of the best people I've ever walked here. And they were like, don't you take, when you get a break? I was like, oh, I, I go home and I sleep. Like, nah, I'm not talking about that, man. I was like, oh, I'll get weekends off. I'm talking about that. Like, when you take a break, I was like, oh, you know, it's not bad. You know, I work only eight hours, you know. And I was like, dude, you know, yeah. You need a break, man. Take take time off. Go, go. But I'm like, they don't give paid leave. So, mm. well, 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 you know, because in the military, I used to get paid leave. So, yeah, it yeah. was easier. Like, even that still, with that, I still only took a break, official leave, like once a year. <laughs> I wouldn't take a break. Dude, so I even missed out on mm. a free trip to anywhere in the world. When I was stationed in the Middle yeah. East, they, I, I had an opportunity to get that twice. I only took it once. Because I just wanted to stay at work, stay at work, stay at work. Like, I'm, you're not even getting overtime. You don't get overtime in the military. So it didn't make sense. But that's how that mentality had been built into me. And this yeah. guy was telling me, like, dude, you're just, you're replaceable. That's the point was, you're replaceable. Yeah. It's not like you, you, they, can't, they can't survive without you. And nope. they did. They, 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 they survived without <laughs> This is... This is the thing, though, like, well, in my current position, I'm not replaceable. They can't find anyone because there's a bit of a, a shortage right now. Mm. And they can't find anyone who is willing to do my job and do it the way that I do it. So I've got a little bit of leeway where I am currently, uh, which is great. It's nice. It means I'm appreciated a lot more. All right. um, but when I was working in the UK, no, like, uh, I remember I had an accident here in China on my first time I was here. I had a bike accident because a guy... Um, literally he just drove his car right in front of me and I had two choices to do the emergency brake or um, I end up basically crashing into his car. And I flew off the bike. I flew in one direction, the bike flew in the other. And I was on the floor and I was banged up and I had scrapes all over my arms. Like I was bleeding, got up, picked my bike up, a bunch of Chinese people looking at me. 
going, is that foreigner dead? No, he's not dead. He's all right. That's all right. And I remember this guy just drove off like nothing happened. So I messaged my boss and then I came into work and she goes, don't you need to go to the hospital? And I was like, nope. She was like, but you know, you had a major accident. I said, I'm fine. Nothing's broken. My ribs are bruised. I'm okay. And she just looked at me and went, you are not like any foreigner has ever worked here. And I said to her, I just looked at her straight in the face and went, I'm English. This is what we do. Because I've been programmed most of my life just to do this. Just Good. never miss a day. Nigerians do, do that too. I, I, yeah. I, even when my car got totaled, I was coming to work. Someone ran off the shoulder. He came illegally. <laughs> was crossing from another highway in two hours and boom. The cop came up to me and they knew it was the guy's fault. And they were like, you know, we should call an ambulance for you. I was like, nah, man, I got to go to work. I still got like 10 minutes yep. before my shift begins. <laughs> I got to yeah, go to work. And it's, like, it's the way it always is. Like you, you do your job and you always do it. When I was working security, uh, I did seven days a week working in the Olympics, right? And I was doing evenings, all the evenings. So I did every single freaking evening and I did seven days a week. And I remember my last shift, I was so goddamn tired. I nearly missed it because I, I, I was, I slept to the point where I didn't hear my alarm. Oh. I got up, had a shower, ran <laughs> to, uh, for the bus, got the bus, got to work and did my job. Uh, I was thinking I was like five minutes late. And that's the thing. People don't get this. People never understand the the toll that you get through and I, I think you know, i agree with you on the point where i think it's the immigrant mindset you know my parents were immigrants uh i'm currently an immigrant so i'm always like work 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 mm -hmm. work work don't miss a day you yeah. know because because you feel like if you miss a day um and then things happen uh it's your fault yeah. and that that's the thing um even as an actor, I was the first guy on set all the time. I would come in like five o'clock in the morning and I'll be sitting there in the, in the catering truck. And I'd literally have people come in and go like, the director's not even here yet. And you're, and you're sitting here. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, why are you here so early? And I was like, because I wanted to make sure I was the first person on set. And that's, you know, it is what it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're going to come into uh, talk about your acting and before mm -hmm. we do that uh, we'll take a quick break we'll be right back hi everyone your host Raphael Harry here I can't believe we have gone past our one year anniversary of doing White Label American I've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people sharing their modern day immigrant stories and you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of 
ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener, which is why we have created a White Label American Patreon page where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor where you can get access to exclusive content. Help me interview upcoming guests by submitting questions and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one conversation, either virtually or in studio. So if this podcast means something to you, and if you really love this show, think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label American POD. Thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company. Okay, so welcome back. And thanks for um, joining us, Mike, and to, for, uh, to everyone listening. Thanks for staying with us. So let's um, talk about acting. You mentioned earlier that you did um, some wrestling and got unfortunately got injured in wrestling. Yes. So yes. Uh, before we get into acting, if I were to ask about a sliding door moment in your life where you would have ended up in a different career path, mm-hmm. would that have been wrestling? Or would that would there, is there a possibility of something else being the sliding um, door? I always wanted to be a, a talk show host when I was a kid. Like I used to do talk shows for my teddy bears. Mm. Um, I wanted to be the like I used to stay up and watch like uh, late night sh- talk shows like Leno. Um, I used to watch the Late Late Show a lot, and I always used to just watch these shows, thinking I could do that. Um, I even tried to audition for the late 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 show before um james corden became the host oh wow it was the right it was the right choice like he's a freaking funny man oh yeah he um is. despite the fact he's being oversaturated like crazy right now in america but he's he's a very funny man and he um it was a perfect choice for that show but i always wanted to do that like i wanted to to be the guy interviewing all the celebrities and, and talking to them and stuff but then uh, I fell into professional wrestling because I wanted to do it uh, as a kid because I I want I thought that this could be my thing. I've always I've always wanted to entertain people. That was my my life choice. That's what I wanted to do. Mm. I knew I wanted to do something entertaining, but I didn't know what. <laughs> um, whether it be professional wrestling or talk shows or even acting. Like I never even liked acting to begin with, but. I became an actor because of a, a weird audition that I had for Channel Four, and um, so how how did that come about? My brother basically was attending an audition and said, "Hey, do you want to come?" So your brother is an actor. Uh, he was, yes. He's okay. now working in security full time. Right. Uh, I think he's hoping that I'd make it big so I can bring him in. Uh, but he, he he wanted to attend an audition. I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do it with you," um, and. Hello, Daisy. Sorry, my cat's decided that she wanted to come stand in my lap. Um, so I, yes, you're saying hello to everyone. Hello, Daisy. Yes. I hear you. <laughs> she, uh, she's a bit of a madam. Okay, run off then. Um, but yeah, I, I basically 
became uh this I, I went to this audition and the people at the audition liked my thing they didn't like my brothers but they liked me so they brought me on this show called dirty tricks um and i the video has actually resurfaced recently um so oh, was that where, the one you posted where the or you you were like on a date Yes, and she had, it's called Dawn Porter's Manchester. They needed an actor. So I did Dirty Tricks, and then they phoned me up one day and said, you know, we we had to reshoot the show. So we haven't used you yet, but we can use you for another show. And I was like, okay, what, what do you want to use me for? There's this thing called Balls of Steel. Um, you need to go to this pub at this time. Don't leave. And I was like, what do you mean don't leave? We can't tell you what it is. Just don't leave. Everyone else keeps running away. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I was coming out of work. I was working in IT at the time. So I came out of the job and I'm, I'm walking down and I go to this bar and I meet this woman. I'm like, she's gorgeous, absolutely stunning. And then she does this leg thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I looked at her like it was... It, it wasn't a problem. It just looked like a surprise. Like what the yeah. fuck is going on with your legs? You know? So she did that. Um, and then she's like, do you want to go? I'm like, yeah, of course, because you know, I'm an honest person. So we went and did that and they were more focused on the guy that drank his pint and ran off. Right. This guy uh, drank his pint mm -hmm. and legged it. And then I, uh, once he left, he was the focus of the show. I wasn't like me being a nice guy. I wasn't, no yeah, one cared. Yeah. Uh, apart from a few friends of mine who phoned me and said, I can't believe how nice you were. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know. Um, yeah, you were in the so clickbait. That, you were in clickbait material. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but despite the fact that they, they've been reusing that footage and I haven't been compensated for it for the rest of my life, you know. Wow. Um, it helped me get on Spotlight. So I got on Spotlight and... Um, I started doing some commercials here and there, some TV shows here and there. Uh, I did a couple of BBC shows that led me to um, create my own TV sitcom, uh, which was called This Job for Hire. And it was about the double life of this guy and his twin brother. Mm. The guy was an actor who basically has a failed career. He ends up with this agent, which is quite funny because it mimics real life. Um, but I didn't have the agent at this time, but he gets his agent who is a seedy bastard uh, who ends up getting him in a, a ton of trouble. The BBC liked the pilot so much, they called me up and they wanted to produce it and said, can you make it into a full season? I was like, yeah, of course. So we did the writer's room. Uh, we had people critiquing it, retooling it. Uh, then the, the crisis happened to the point where um, I really couldn't do much. Um, and that was the financial then, crisis? Oh. No, it was basically the BBC got done for misusing people's tax. Uh, oh. And oh, yeah, that's uh, true. so it's, it's they had to eliminate a few things because they said they couldn't, they, if they didn't get the money for the TV license um, and it was spread out to different networks, mm. then they're going to have to cut programming. So they cut BBC Three. But then they retooled BBC Free to be an online platform like YouTube and Netflix and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but as they were retooling, they released me from my contract. So I couldn't see the show go to fruition, but they never gave me the rights to the show back until three years after they released me. 
I was very pissed off um, with that. So the show, it, the it show is ju was just sitting there. Yeah, it was just sitting developed in, in their, in their you, vault. You can't do anything. No, not I couldn't do anything. anything for three years and then I got it back. And as soon as I got the rights back, uh, I was able to make it into something of my own. But by the time I got the rights back, I really didn't want to do anything with it. Does that make sense? It was just like, okay, that was a thing I did. The momentum um, wasn't there anymore. I think the drive wasn't there, like okay. the, kind, the need to produce the show. And plus times have changed, yeah. right? Uh, one of the, the parts of the character of the show was the brother was a bit special needs. He was a bit dumb, a bit silly, and you could tell he had a bit of a mental disability. You're not really going to make a show like that now, especially exactly. with with how... And, and the thing that most comedians don't get is comedy changes. True. What was okay at, at one point is not okay at another time. So yeah, even Ed Murphy I, talked about that recently. But it, it, it really boggles the mind how many comedians get pissy about it. Like I, I read Seth Rogen's book recently and he was going on about like comedy is very much a, a fluid thing, right? Yeah. Like you have stuff like the Dave Ch the Chappelle show that was amazing for its time. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't do the Chappelle show, show now. I, there was a comedy series I used to watch called Boondocks. What was oh, great about Boondocks yeah, then? The, the Boondocks, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I love it. <laughs> but what was great about right. then isn't as great as it, you you couldn't get away with that now. And I think people keep keep focusing on cancel cultures about mm -hmm. the woke and the left and blah 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 instead of thinking, okay, how has times changed? Yeah, how has things changed? Like uh, I'm pansexual, right? Being gay in the 80s was a no-no. It was like an arrestable offense oh, in the yeah. UK. That, I mean, yeah. I had my dad regularly threaten me that if I turned gay, he would kill me. You know, and it's, yeah, I was and just it's, about to say that sentence for a lot of people. So. Yeah, and it's and you still have the like the hatred towards people of of that kind of ilk, right? To this day. Like the LG, the LGTB, the LGTBQ plus community, um, which I am a part of. And it's, it bugs me that we still have people with that mindset and they're like, I don't like change. Things change, motherfucker. Everything changes. So we need to realize that what worked at one point is not going to work at another point. It's nice to have them because they're historical pieces of, art and entertainment you know but at the same time you need to change with the times if you're not a very good comedian and you can't adapt with the times then you're not a good comedian it's plain and simple that's just it that's it right so that show went off um and i started developing a pilot um because i had the love of a video game called silent hill oh, i played this game with my dad oh silent hill yes uh it's about a guy who goes in, back when i he goes tried into like a gaming. fog yeah, yeah, it's in, yeah it was on the playstation the original yeah. playstation um i played this game and what i did was i i went to i i was doing uh, video game interviews at the time so i had a contact within konami so i went into konami and said hey uh, i want to pitch this idea for a tv show so the idea was that we were gonna produce the show we'll take it to like kickstarter or i think it was indiegogo the platform we we're gonna use 
to pitch the show and get people to fund the show. And then we were going to shop it to like streaming networks. Mm. Um, and Konami was going to come into bed with us. So they would give us the license. The, um, they would give us the license to produce the show. We would make, uh, I think it was a total of four seasons. And each season would focus on a video game, right? Yeah. The first season would be like a prequel. Then the second season would be focus on the first game. Then the third season would focus on the second game. And then the third season would, would basically wrap the story um, and focus on the third game. The biggest issue we had with this uh, was Konami was going through a bit of a teething process and they never told us this. Mm. So the, the company basically in the same year, I, I put the team together. I had people who were working on the show with me. We were writing scripts. We were creating storyboards. Um, and then the company delisted itself from the stock exchange. And I was like, what the hell's going on? So I contacted my contact. They weren't answering. So I tried to get a hold of, um, other people in the company. They weren't answering. I found out people were fired. Um, and I like spoke to, uh, another person who was new in the company said, Hey, we're developing this pilot. Is the pilot still safe? You know, can we still do this? Uh, and they said, oh, just send us everything you have. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Because you're going to give it to someone else. Yeah, that yeah. sounded way too mm, fishy. Just give us every, give us everything you have on what you're producing and we will uh, we'll, we'll call you. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Thank you. Have a great day. So it's it's still in my little box, um, like basically doing nothing. But yeah, the company just, screwed me over and it was I, I went through that and went okay this you know producing stuff's not working maybe i can go and and keep acting and i was getting some acting work i was doing as i said a few commercials here and there um and then uh, i i ended up landing a couple of different agents who were sending me for different places for work uh and i met the uh, an agent called elaine eaglestone after all that but it's it's a shame because as a as an actor, the the biggest thing you want to do is you want to have the you, you like for me, I always wanted my career to be something memorable. Yes. I wanted it to be people to look at me and go, that was the guy who reinvented Silent Hill. Because mm. the game franchise has been in limbo yeah. since uh Konami fucked it. And and, uh, and, and video games uh there's always been this struggle to adapt video games. Yes, uh, the new until Sonic recent, movie is pretty good. Recently, yeah, but it's recently. The, yeah, the new Sonic um, movie is pretty good, and and Detective Pikachu was pretty good too. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen shout out to Pikachu, Ryan Reynolds. but uh, yeah, yeah, Detective Pikachu, Sonic, Sonic Ryan Reynolds. was good. And, Sonic was very good. Um, Witcher, the Witcher series. I, I haven't like seen that yet. I've got it, like but that's more based on the book than based on the video. Okay, well, that's true too. It was a video game that's based on the book, but the book is being adapted into the Netflix series. Castlevania. Yeah, Castlevania is very good too. That's yeah, a very yeah. good anime. I love the um, the the biggest issue I had was when corporate make their mind up on shit. Like it, part of the the labor of movie making is you've got people like me who want to make stuff. Yeah. Then you got the people in the suits who want money, <laughs> so they want to spend the least money possible and get the fastest return because they see movies as uh kind of like a savings you know it's like stock they see it like stocks like shares like any mass product 
They want to get as much return as they can on products. Like uh, George Lucas was one of the biggest where he took a film franchise that no one thought was going to work and he mass marketed the fuck out of it to the point where it wasn't the films that made the most money. It was the toy sales. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He made a lot of money off the star Wars toils. He became a freaking uh, like billionaire before he he became a billionaire. Mm -hmm. Well, he is now. Yeah. But he was a billionaire before that. That's true. Because he made he made a ton of money off the Star Wars franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually he went from that to um, becoming like who he is now. He's retired from the industry. Uh, part of his thing is like, oh, you know, the, the move, good movies don't get made anymore. It's all about Marvel and stuff like that. Where I disagree. I think move, good movies do get made. Mm-hmm. I just think... The, the problem being is um, time, and again, times are changing. So you've got the Coppolas who who basically think that, you know, movies aren't being made the way they should be made anymore. And you've got the Spielbergs and you've got the George Lucases who think that movies aren't being made the way they should be anymore. And the, 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 the Prigger's problem isn't that. The problem is that these guys have an old mindset yeah. and they refuse to change with the times. Um, and it's a shame because, and again, I understand it. Uh, I respect these individuals, uh, especially for everything they've done. But at the same time, I think uh, we as a people, as a society, we change tastes change like the Marvel cinematic universe is probably one of the biggest, most organic things that's happened in the movie industry. They took the concept of what would make a TV show and a TV series and they applied it to film because that's all this, uh, this is this Marvel cinematic universe is like one big TV show. Mm, they get true. free movies to to help establish and continue establishing characters right yeah and then they make those characters team up in a big event movie where they have to fight something big it's like the freaking premise of power rangers in a sense but it works it works for them and now they're, they're translating that to these multiple series like wandavision was fucking excellent oh i love wandavision um falcon and the winter soldier was amazing and that's the thing they know what they're doing and they do it rather well and the amount of people that keep moaning and complaining oh this isn't this isn't what movies used to be movies used to be very crap to be honest like people don't actually know the studios used to use horror movies as a way for them to make bank so they can put out the oscar bait it's (laughs) Like things haven't changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now they've got the it's the franchises that make the most money now. Yeah. So you still have the Oscar bait movies, but the Oscar bait movies don't make money. It's not really much you can do about that. And it's and I think the the people who are stuck in those ways are just gonna continuously be stuck in that loop in a sense. And I mean um, I mean there's some Oscar movies that um have made good money for their budgets. And but they're not. For, they haven't made as much. No, as they're, the they're not. They're not going to make as much as the 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 franchise, like the Marvel movies. But at the same time, what one thing I, I always, to me, I always notice in the complaints is that it's a certain group of people who keep complaining. And I'm like, there's more diversity out there now. I can just. I'm glad when I one of my the best movies I've seen in years is Parasite, 
And when I yep. saw that movie, it's a Korean I was, movie. I was like, why don't we see movies like this? You know, on in, in Hollywood, why don't we see these movies here? Like like Old Boys among my top ten movies, the Korean the original version. Mm-hmm. And yes. There's, but when I saw that and I was talking, someone told me, I was like, what is that? And, you know, so I, when I started telling people about it, too, it seemed like I was just in my own universe at one point in time until Parasite. And then it was like, Parasite was like accepted as mainstream. But now it's becoming, it's called the diversity that people, it's finally more people are getting materials put out there. And it's not just a select few who get to get access to making, uh, bringing stories to uh, the screen because yes. we keep seeing the same group. It's like a clique. Keep bringing the same, you know, bringing their, get their stories told. They get to be the ones who dictate what gets being put out there. But I'm like, there's a lot more people who exist. You know, yes. we, that's how we don't know. Um, um, uh, people come, some people complain about, um, like, I, I don't watch war movies anymore because all the war movies I've seen always, always tell one type of stories. But I'm like, there's so much stories that about what happened during the World War II, World War One, from people of color, people from colonized countries, the territories, their roles, the roles that they played, and we don't see them reflected in war movies. Why aren't we seeing? If you bring that outcome, people there are people who pay money to see that. But if you keep telling the same old story of you know. There was one white guy who was the hero, white guys. And we know there were a lot of white people who did heroic things, but they've only been the ones who keep being put on the screen. What about the women who played a heroic role? We don't, you, you know, they really, we do really get them. The gay people who saved, you know, only, only the, the movie by Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. And it wasn't even a gay person who played that role. So you see, yeah, yeah. but, you know, and when people ask for that and then they're like, um, yeah, but, you know, we we don't we we movies we don't like the way movies are. I'm like no, I like it because I'm seeing the diversity. I'm seeing the changes. I'm seeing the stuff that people have been claiming could not uh, could not be uh, done or people don't want to see being brought to the screen. And people are lapping. People are jumping at that. People are like yes, because look at mm. Black Panther when it came out, and I was watching videos on YouTube of people in South Korea, people in um, um, Vietnam. They were asking people on the streets and they were like, wow, you know, all we hear of Africa is just, you know, we only have one picture of Africa and we know some Africans in our countries. But Mm. it was nice to see a superhero from Africa. And you know what? It started making me think, why can't I have a superhero too from my country? And I was like, oh, yes. Yes, ask. Ask. (laughs) Because you do. (laughs) To be fair, I've seen seen some (laughs) Nollywood movies and the Nollywood movies are terrible. Oh, no, 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 don't don't get me started on Nollywood movies. But the the acting is very, very bad. Not Nollywood. There's a. There's a there's a meme based on one of them where the guy's like, "Why are you running?" Oh, that's and my I'm... that's my second favorite. Oh, I think that might be my first my my favorite Nollywood meme because my sister who's uh, she's born in Ecuador and uh, she was actually supposed to be the co-host of this show. She oh she she was like, "Oh, if I'm running with my sugar daddy, why are you running? Where are you?" <laughs> that's not, she applies that to almost everything in her life. And there were people who, on her Facebook who didn't understand why she was always using that meme. 
I was like, I'll, I'll be the guy in the corner just laughing. Like, yep, that that's the Dude, best that, thing Nollywood gives you is the the price. There was a site, there was a, a channel on Sky called Nollywood, right? And it was basically oh. the best of Nollywood. Oh, wow. And I used to watch it, and the movies were trash. Like, no offense to any of them, right? Oh, Firstly, no. English English is not your first language, so you shouldn't really be doing a movie in English if but it's not your first that, language. That, that's one thing that people miss out. It's they, they forget that, you know, there's this impact of we want to be... Nollywood is a lot of copycats. It's just copy copycatting. Uh, yes, I don't yes, know if that's course. the right way of saying I agree. But yeah, if, because if you look at when... the South African movie industry, South Africa has more yes. quality in comparison to Nollywood. But Nigeria has larger numbers. So we'll put out... It's like porn. We just put out like porn. <laughs> it's like... No, no, I agree. I lived in, the, in, the, in, I, in the Nollywood one, area. And, at one point, Nollywood was like the number one... Um, biggest movie franchise like oh, um, and it yeah. was because of the population yeah because they just keep putting out numbers I mean there yeah. was uh, when this movie came out Gladiator uh, the Russell Crowe Gladiator yes you know within less than a month there was an Hollywood version <laughs> 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 my aunt's body and I was like she was oh this movie is very good and I was like really you mean you mean that, that you mean you can't tell what is happening <laughs> How was that? Like, come on! You yes, you could tell Nigerian stories. There are a lot of Nigerian stories that you can tell without going the yeah. Hollywood route, you know. And it, it was true. without just copying this American. You don't have to copy that. You, you so much you can do. But the funny thing is that there are studios that have come out that are like real good acting and all that, but they don't yes. have the the pool as the regular Hollywood studios. Because if you look. If you, you you look around, there are a lot of fans of Nollywood studios. Like so, it's like either you love Nollywood movies or you hate it. And I'm in the hate category. I don't like Nollywood movies. So I, I, don't, I, I don't like it. I, I, I would say hate it, it, but I just but I say I this. I'm not a I'm not I'll a see fan. See it in the same as something as like it's like watching the room, right? The room is trash. Oh yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> but it's Straight funny and it's quotable. <laughs> And that's what I see Nollywood as. It's like a yeah. big franchise of movies that are basically the room, right? Yeah. You yeah. have all these quotable silly things that come out of it <laughs> that make you laugh. Like, the, again, the why are you running me? That is freaking... Get that out of here. Makes me, that's that always one. makes me that's chuckle. That's my favorite, actually. And then you have the bad acting when the guy's holding their guns to one oh, side no, no, no. and wearing the weird-ass do-rags. No. And even the thing that made me laugh so much when I watched some of these is they play, like, in the background, like Mariah Carey and stuff, yeah. like music. <laughs> That's copyrighted. But they're, they're, they're playing it in the background, and it's not even, like, laced over the video, nope. you know, when you do, nope. like, audio editing. They no, use... no. It's, it's basically, like, old school playing it on the fucking radio while this guy is trying to have a scene and he's doing it in such bad English. Ah. And he's just like, um, and I'm I'm laughing my ass off watching this stuff. Trust so me. I don't consider it, I, don't, I consider it trash, but I don't consider it bad trash. I don't look yeah, at it no. and go, oh my I, God, I, I, that's the most offensive thing I've seen. Trust me. I feel you. I feel you that because, yeah, but... But wife watched some with me. Like there was one that you know, a lot of people were like giving. I forgot what that movie was called. This uh, Chief Daddy or something. It's on Netflix, and mm. I watched it. And I was just laughing because I was like, man, after all these years, I haven't watched an Hollywood movie in how many years? 
I, this this one was on Netflix, and people were like seem to be talking like, "Oh, this is an improvement." The studio that makes movies that seem to be like actors who are not really the over dramatic and those type of people, I keep looking for their movies, but they don't seem to have landed a deal with any big streamer. So I have to, it's like you have to go buy their movie directly from them um, right now. And I don't really have it because all my movies, I I, I use Amazon um, Prime TV. So if I can't get it there, I can't really buy it there because I don't have anything to play a movie with at home. So, um, but this movie, somebody was like yelling about it and I was like, okay, let's watch it. And watch it. I, I was just laughing from, man, this is, I was like, come on, come on, all these years, you guys still still on this? Come on. I, I, I thought the, the joke levels would have changed because like I can recommend a show on Netflix, um, How to Ruin Christmas. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. It's, a, it's South African, that's a South African series. And man, that series is, you, know, you, you would see, South Africans have their own way of doing theirs, but yeah. you see the quality you, in comparison to Nollywood. Yeah. You get it. You you get you. The difference is clear. Now, South Africans, Nigerians will be mad at me because they're like, "Oh man, this is your Nigerian hate coming up now." I'm like, "No, nah, <laughs> come on. We we know the truth. We know the truth." But I know the Nollywood well, fans, and I'm like, "Hey, if you enjoy Nollywood, that's fine. Enjoy it. I'm not saying don't." To be, but to don't be fair, support like, them. if I go back to professional wrestling for a second, Apollo Cruz, who's uh-huh. like a Nigerian descendant, he uh, he moved his family moved to America from Nigeria. Um, he did, he accomplished so much in wrestling and now he's having one of his best runs in the WWE He's a foreign hill. And he's basically putting on a fake Nigerian accent oh boy. and, and following his roots. You know, he, he puts himself as a Nigerian prince. Oh. I have no issue with this. Like it's, it's cool, <laughs> but it's probably the best Nigerian accent at a Nigerian acting I've ever seen. <sighs> so. There you go, guys. You've got Apollo Crews. Well, actually, the, give the, him an Oscar. The, the, the ones who are considered the best Nigerian acting is, uh, I give John Boyega, which is Boyega, if you're going by, you know, John Boyega and um, um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, because Chiwetel Ejiofor is of Igbo descent. And uh, well, there's a bunch of them. You know, like British, mm. British TV is full of Nigerian born actors on there. But, that, but that's the thing, like, um, I'm not saying Nigerian actors are, are all bad. I'm oh, no, just no, saying no. that Nollywood, no, no. Nollywood, in, Nollywood in general is just terrible. No, it's not, lovely, terrible. Not, not like, wrong, like if you've terrible. been at a Nollywood production, man, you, you, you won't even have to explain yourself. Because I, I, I oh, man, I, I, now I can look back and say, man, is that one week. <laughs> like, I've seen, I've seen porn. <laughs> God forbid porn that is better produced Dude, than Nollywood. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize how, um, yeah, it was until I, I read, I started reading, you know, I, I looked into movie production one time, but then I found out that porn, <laughs> they actually produced porn much better than Nollywood. I was like, oh man, this is. Yeah, porn, <laughs> porn is produced with like HD cameras, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually build sets now for porn. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a lot of porn movies are actually built the same way as a natural movie set. Like Axel Braun produced a Star Wars movie, which, um, yeah, it, w- it was a thing, but <laughs> but it was it, it was highly produced. It had a very high budget. So when I when I hear stuff like this and people like, oh, you know. 
um, why 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 do you hate Nollywood so much? I'm like, I don't hate Nollywood. It's not it's not hate. You, you, it's just really badly it, it, produced. Even with with a low budget, you can still make good quality. So low budget is not an excuse. That, that, you know, mm. I, I've seen. Uh, what's that movie? John Boyega's first movie, uh, his breakout movie, Attack the Block. Oh, Attack the Block. Yeah, that was a very low budget movie. Well, that yeah, that's true. But the one thing I will say about um, him right now, it, it's I feel really bad for him because he's he's basically in a position I don't think he's ever going to work again. You think so? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, my, he, my did, he did small acts though. Yeah, but I I, don't, I think like Star Wars is probably the biggest thing he's been in, and I think yeah. he got screwed over. Yeah, uh, doing Star Star Wars should have been about him. He should have been the Jedi, you know. Um, but they they went in a different direction and kind of bait and switched, and they destroyed his character at the same time. Yeah, they, they waste his character was just wasted on that. It was just yeah, and then then the whole thing with Black, yelling. Yeah. Then the whole thing with Black Lives Matter came out. Um, and I saw I'm hundred percent behind Black Lives Matter. I, I agree that the, the police uh, treat black people like they're fucking slaves still, in my opinion. And when you're telling someone to not resist and you you're freaking holding a gun to their head or putting your knee on their head or trying to suck the oxygen out of their fucking body. And, and I've heard so many people go, oh, well, you know, the guy was, a, I don't give a shit if George Floyd was a criminal before they arrested him, right? Doesn't justify anybody killing a person. Um, and you can see the, the problem. There's a discrepancy, especially in the United States, there's a discrepancy between white people and black people. Yes. If you have a white person shoot a place up, that white person is probably going to get a GoFundMe or someone's going to bail them yeah. out. You, you, They're going to talk nicely a, to that guy. They're going to get to the station. Yeah, they'll get your water and a KFC and bucket and your all humanity that is recognized, and that's. But if you're black and you're being mistaken for someone else, or a police officer thinks you look like someone else, the moment you get in that car, nine times out of ten, you're gonna die. And people don't get that, and they're like, "Well, if you don't resist the police, there's not gonna be a problem." It don't matter. It don't matter what you do. But if someone who basically is supposed to be in charge of protecting you doesn't protect you they do the opposite uh -huh. they basically treat you like you're a thing like you're a toy that if you get broken it's kind of like oopsie but you're not a thing you're a human being with life you don't want to die now you've got black people treating it teaching their children how not to die yeah ways to to, to get around the police and and be as as nice to the the person as possible. Yes, sir. Which is, okay, sir. Yeah, that is just so you won't die. And that that annoys the hell out of me. But um, trust me, I've been also, I've been chased by vigilantes, and the police told me it was my fault. So yeah, it's it's and and this is the thing, right? You get and you got these have a go heroes as well, who wouldn't have been prosecuted until public outcry mm -hmm. forced them to prosecute them. You cannot, the color of your skin should not be a deciding factor of whether you live or die. Your gender shouldn't be a deciding factor of whether you live or die. True. Being a woman shouldn't be the deciding factor of whether you live or die. And we're in a situation right now where we're trying to bring this to light. And John Boyega put his career on the line to do that. 
and you've got all these directors sitting there going, oh, you know, we will, we support you. He'll work in my movie. And those fucking pricks probably will never cast him again mm. because the producers who fund these movies go, oh, you got John Boyega. No, I don't want him there. Yeah, I get it. And, and then the problem is the conservative mindset is getting very, very much in, in the same mindset as racism. It's, it's it's sexism. I don't know. I, 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 to me, I've, I've, it's always been. It's always been. It's but been it's, it's more nuanced. Hands. It's more nuanced. There, there, yeah, there's always not... been. There, there's been a fine way of like making it seem like oh, like oh, like when they say oh, Reagan was uh, you know we need to be the Republican Party of Reagan. I'm like uh, mm-hmm. that guy was a killer. That guy yeah. was he was brutal. But yeah, now because of Trump, Reagan looks like you know it's like where George W. Looks like uh, he's a cool guy now because yeah. Donald Trump. Although George W. campaigned for every Supreme Court justice that we have now, so yeah. Like, but uh, the, the thing out. about it is, Trump made racism cool, right? He made it cool, so he made it so that these guys, these guys and gals who are racist, got the confidence to go out there on their own and show the world that being that they don't need to hide anymore. They don't need to go under the rocks. They don't need to watch what they have to say. And thus has created the society that we're living in now. And the problem we're having is instead of addressing it Uh and trying to fix it, we're doing half measures, you know, exactly. We're, we're, we're doing little fixes. Oh, let's, let's appease them by, by prosecuting George Floyd's killers. Right. Even though almost the same number of uh, black and brown people have been killed since judge floyd yes by by police officers like you had a woman who couldn't decide she thought she didn't understand what a taser and a gun was like Uh oh i didn't use my taser i used my gun and shot him and you've had actual police officers come out and say this is a taser this is a gun you can't mistake the one for the other right The, the and the problem being is you have bad cops you have people on the force who just want who are racist who are homophobic and who are transphobic. Uh, uh, yeah, because those are the, the, the trans community get hit the worst, especially the black trans. Yeah. And then this is this is the thing. You did they it's become almost normal now, right? The amount of times we hear that someone dies or passes away because of police brutality, we're now just sitting there going, okay, there's another person who's dead. We become numb to it. It's like the mass shootings. And, yeah, and it shouldn't be that way. It yeah. shouldn't be that way. And and he's like given his career for this. He he's fucked because nobody's gonna want to work with him again. Because the studios aren't gonna want to work with him. Because the TV companies aren't gonna want to work with him. And that shouldn't be the way that it is. He's gonna be just another name in the industry when he's not, he's something special. But they will never cast him in anything again. Like Black Panther. That movie was so special because of the fact that we got an all-star cast, a black cast, Yes, right? It, it showed, and people were shitting on it. I remember before it came out, people were like, well, it's an all-black movie. It's never going to fucking make bank. It made billions in the box office. Of course. And people don't fucking understand why. You can't sit there and appropriate someone's culture and take away from people and hurt people mm-hmm. and expect that to be what it should be. America shouldn't be the way that America was. 
It was founded on racism, hate, and segregation. That's what America should not be now. The same goes for the UK. It's founded on hate and segregation. We were raiding and raping countries. My ancestors were taking away from every fucker on the planet, you know? Yeah. We went to India. We fucking raped India in the name of the queen. We went to fucking Africa, raped Africa in the name of the queen. We colonized everywhere. And people still look at it as, well, you know, it was our ancestors. You shouldn't be sitting there having to go at me because of what my ancestors did. But you're normalizing it. Yeah. You're normalizing that, it. That, that, that's why there's an effort right now to um, re- remove the history, like downplay the past. Like, you know, it was just, it, it happened. We can move on. Like, that's, you, they say that for whatever makes them uncomfortable so that we don't, you know, we can't visit. Like now you have on the Republican side, a bunch of um, states, red states, going after critical theory, um, saying, you know, trying to reverse the history of America, downplay slavery and all that. It's like, you know, like, but you have Mm. to address your past. Look at Germany just um, finally apologized for the genocide that they committed in Namibia which was 30 years before the Nazis did theirs in, um, in Germany and um, Europe. Mm-hmm. And when you go into details of that, it looks literally like that was the beginning. That was like a test run of what was coming. But when you see that, that's why I come back to the movies because all the movies you see is always like Nazi Germany. It's like, oh, it just, and it just existed in one bubble. There was like yeah. only one place. And then, but you don't when when history is only told about you you don't give the full picture and you, you don't mention that hey these guys went intentionally said we are going to make life you guys challenged us when we try to colonize you so as a punishment we will push you into the desert and only that we'll make sure we poison the land that we give you and then we'll own yep. all the arable land so apart from killing you in battle we'll make sure your your the rest of you will die out. Yes. And that was a high level of, that's another level of genocide that is like mad extreme that even those of us who grew up in African countries were not even aware of. But the first, uh, I know one of the tribes that was affected in Namibia, the first thing that they got reparated to mm-hmm. them, as the first thing they got from Germany as, a rep, as reparation was a Bible. The first Bible that they wrote in their language. That was the first reparation. Oh, that, we're not apologizing for anything, but that was a few years ago. But we'll give you the Bible that, you know, that's it. Hey, everybody happy. They had a big party. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? That has that fixed. Nobody's admitting to anything until the other, the, the main tribe that got almost wiped out. Their descendants have yeah. always been fighting and fighting. And they even refused the amount that Germany offered. Germany offered like 1.2 billion. I said, that's bullshit. Come on. You know what to do. You know, you, when you, you did the right thing with Israel, you can do the right thing with everybody. Do the right thing. Well, the, what's also going on with Israel and Palestine right now, right? Yes, that, that, that's a different topic. But I mean, for the reparation, because the, the, the Jews got reparations. That's the point I'm making. I'm not saying, yeah, no, I, I'm not, I agree with I'm not you. going with what they did, uh, the Palestine side of it, because I'm pro-Palestine. But I'm pro Palestine too because but, I'm I'm a descendant. Oh yeah, of you the also descendant. So it would have, it would have been yeah. weird if you were. <laughs> but what I'm pro Israel. About... Fuck my people. <laughs> there were some Palestinians were like, um, look, cancel him. <laughs> nah, is this is but... this motherfucker for real? It's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck you. 
to be honest, though, but, I'm, yeah, but I'm, well, I'm any, anytime people on. say reparations is, is impossible, you know, don't talk about reparations. I'm like, but Israel is proof. Um, Britain paid New Zealand reparations. They, yeah. So, but it's like a download. You have to go search for it. You have to go look for it. Like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Mm. This happened. So why can't you just do right? Do right. That's all. That's what people ask. People are not asking for anything glorious. We're not you asking to come people. rule. We're not asking to come rule the UK. We're not asking to come rule the United States. We're not asking to take over. We're just asking for the right thing to be done. We're asking for accountability. The, this and, is the thing. If you there accountability, then it's going to open up a ton of shit. Mm -hmm. They'll never be accountable. Accountability means that you have to be accountable for yourself. Yeah. Uh, I've always been accountable for myself. Like I, uh, today I lost my temper a little bit of a friend of mine. Um, we had a little bit of a disagreement because I felt like he wasn't be communicating properly uh, oh. because I loaned him some money. Oh man. And yeah. I don't loan, I don't yeah, loan money to people. Uh, yeah. I usually give money to people because I know that if I get, I'm never going to get the money back. Right. Yes. And he was trickling. He would, he would promise me and say, oh, um, I'll give you it on this date. And then he was trickling it down just little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit, right? And eventually I got annoyed and said, hey, <laughs> you're promising this day and then this day. And he's like, oh, you just lack patience. And I went, dude, you're not, you know, being accountable for your end here, right? It has no, like, whatever is happening it's got nothing to do with me. You said you'd pay me on this date. You didn't pay me on this date. Then you said you'd pay me on this date. You didn't pay me on this date. And then we went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Right. Um, but then afterwards I have a thought and apologized because he paid me, but he was just trickling little bits here and there. Yeah. Um, and he explained why. And I was just like, I was getting frustrated because he was like, Oh, you lack patience when I was waiting almost a month for him to just do what he said he was going to do, you know? Mm. Um, so I apologize for my side because I value him. And I told him, I value you. I value your business. I value everything you do. I appreciate you. Don't think I don't appreciate you. But just remember, um, I'm not having a go because I think you're a bad person. I'm having a go because I think you just didn't handle the situation well. Um, but I apologize for my side. And I did. And I think being accountable... And apologizing for your side uh, should be a thing. Like I, when everyone was doing the council culture videos, I did a video on myself and I talked about how I am responsible for things that I did and things that I said. Like I made a stupid joke to someone in the past saying that she wasn't like all black girls and the girl got angry and rightly so, you know? Um, I made, uh, I, I basically try to, to, Someone who wanted to be friends with me, I tried to push her into a relationship. It happens. Mm. We do stupid shit. That, that with guys, well, yeah, trust me, I've, I've been that but guy too. Open. The, the the thing about it is, you've got to be open and honest with yourself, uh -huh. and open and honest about who you are and what you've done and what mistakes you've made. We all make mistakes. Indeed, I, I, I agree with that. Um, the accountability, I. I do something like that uh, in the same vein. Um, I've been, well, I'm still doing it because uh, there's a lot of deprogramming that I'm still going through. Yeah. As a result of my upbringing, as a result of being in a religious cult for years and whole manner of things. Even my relationship with sports has been, was very toxic. 
and he gave me the you know like language that we used to use just from while playing soccer as rip rip them rip them rip them down like yeah. rip was like yeah, we just used the word rip yeah. carelessly and you know so I, I, I had to do a whole lot of um, um, holding myself accountable and even now my relationship with my daughter you know she, she's now the talker in the house and you know if she says I don't like it stop it I respect yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's the as, same thing. As like, young yeah. as she is, I start to respect. It's only like you know, if 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 she pooped her, you know, her her pants and I have to wipe her butt, yeah, that's the only time I can overrule her. Like, hey, your diaper needs to be changed. So yes, I'm going to do this. You might look, you might not like to have your diaper changed now, but you will understand later. Other than that, it's I respect you. I give you. I start giving her that respect that she can say no. That's one thing I didn't. Uh, respect you know i re in a weird way i respected it when women when like i was making a move but i will push yeah. i will push like you have to tell me no like 10 times before I'll, okay then i'll walk away but i was yeah yeah but you know and when uh the me too movement came up and you know a lot of guys uh, like one of my cousin i think that's why he doesn't even talk to me today because he should have been on the podcast he's a professor in one of the universities in the south and he was complaining about, you know, these women, are, the men don't feel comfortable anymore. We can't walk anywhere. We can't be in an office space with a woman. And I was like, bro, have you, do you have women friends? Do you have, what, what, have you talked to them? Like when I'm reading the accounts and I start looking at myself, I'm like, wow, how, when did I even, I don't even know when the crack happened that I like started listening to people, but it was yeah. before Me Too happened. But when Me Too came, and I started seeing different accounts of women, not even talking about being abused, uh, uh, just the harassment levels. And I started realizing that, wait, there were times that I was doing harassment too without seeing myself yeah. as being an harasser because I wasn't the guy who was like, hey, baby, on the street, or you know, grabbing a woman in the club. I didn't do that. But I didn't realize that I was also harassing people, uh, women, especially in other ways. On, yeah, online, there were ways I was harassing too, but I was thinking of myself, hey, I don't do it like the people who I believe are more violent or more aggressive. So I'm not an, I'm not one of them, so I'm better. So yeah, well, this don't exist. And then someone like me will start saying, oh, it does, uh, men can't, don't, don't feel safe anymore. Men can't walk in a club. Uh, men can't walk in an office space. And no, but I had to hold myself accountable. And I said, wow, I have been yeah. guilty of a whole lot of this and I have to apologize. And I'm how to say I'm gonna start taking notes and know when to listen, when to take a step back, and you know if my um, friends who are women say, "Hey, this is okay," then it's okay. If they say that's not okay, I respect their boundaries. And I think the, the the biggest issue is is understanding to read the room. If someone mm. says no, like uh, someone can consent to to sex, right? Yes, and say yes. Uh, and then you're midway through. And if they go, no, while you're midway through, you stop. I've, I've been in that situation myself and I've stopped. I haven't forced. I haven't pushed. I've, I've stopped because I've realized as I've been getting older, after having daughters of my own and watching these little fucking shits harass my daughters, you realize, hey, you know, boys do this. And it's because their toxic dads yeah. have been pushing them to do it. Mm -hmm. So you get your dad going, oh, that's right, son. You know, that's how you get a girl. And mm -hmm. then you get the, 
the kid basically doing inappropriate things, saying inappropriate things, lashing out in appropriate way. And it's all because his dad thinks that that's, that's okay. That's a good thing yeah, to do. That's, he's just been a boy. I'm like, no, you know, you're not being a boy. It's, it's, you're just, you know, you're not even being a man no. in a sense. You're being this perverse individual. It's like the, the one thing that I've realized and I think people need to realize is no means no. That's it. Because all our lives, we've like, you, you get told constantly, don't take no for an answer. Don't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. It's it's okay to to dominate a girl and push a girl because that's what she wants. She wants you to dominate her. No, she doesn't want you to dominate her. When she says, no, thank you, or I've got a boyfriend, you leave her alone. If she says to you, hey, you know, you've got basically, um, I don't want to date you. I don't want to go out with you. I don't want to do anything. You leave her her alone if she gives you a fake number and you want to try and call it and you make sure she stays there so you can call it then maybe you need to rethink your life choices i I, at one point i said to my daughters i don't want you dating a man like me like i used to be Mm. and my daughters were like you're but you're cool dad and i'm like no you don't understand i was a terrible human being right and that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's you have to bring the truth out. You own the truth. It's only the truth. And that's the only way you can move forward. Once you mm-hmm. own your truth. So man, we've been we've been at this for, for more than a minute. And man, I would have loved to continue, but we we're out of that's time. Fine. <laughs> that's okay. That's no problem. We have to do this again. <laughs> so um to wrap to wrap it up. You know, you've you've lived in a few places. Mm-hmm. Where will you consider your home? You know, the the, the honest truth is, I have no home. Um, I fell in love with America. That's where I want to live, but that's not happening. Um, you probably you, know, it, you probably fall in love with Brooklyn, New York. I'm being biased. I have to sell Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn, but it's there. Uh, it's still I, you know, I lived though. I lived in New York. My, one of my best friends is uh, Megaran. Um, Rahim Jabo, he lives in the United States. He's from Phoenix, Arizona. He lives, I believe he lives in Phoenix. Um, He's a a great, great dude. And one of my all-time favorite people. Mm. I want to live in America. That's, that was all my dream. Uh, I want to live in LA. Uh, Despite the issues that I have in America, I still love it, but that's, it's not a, it's not something that I can do right now, right? Especially with the mindset that's still there. Yeah. Um, so I live in China and China's, it's great. I like being here, you know, I like being in China. I like, uh, I enjoy my life here. I'm teaching kids. I'm giving them a chance to, um, learn English and fall in love with the English language, uh, and develop to help them get opportunities that, uh, I myself, uh, have, have got myself and I'm, I'm living a good life here. Everything's cheap. Uh, I have babies who I've adopted and the, this, this is the closest I think I've been to home, home. but this isn't home. And it's, it's, I, I consider myself a traveling nomad. Uh, 
right. because I'll, I'll be here for for a while until I decide to um, either move on or figure out how to get to the United States. Um, but I can tell you that in another, like, if you want to bring me on for a part two, I'm more than happy to. I'll, I'll probably to have to arrange, arrange that part two because there was yes. a question about um a tv setting up a tv show that i wanted to ask but i'm completely out of time so <laughs> i won't be able to go there so um really appreciate you coming on the podcast there's a whole bunch of questions i didn't get up to but um, this has been fun this has been great and um so final question what mm-hmm. you'd like to leave the audience with um your freestyle you know anything you want to give us could be from a quote, uh, your favorite quote, or it could be from your book or from some your poem. Or anything I'll give you a, to. I'll give you a life lesson, which yeah. is: I know you're having a bad day. I know that things may not go well. I know that that life may be hard, but if you see someone who's trying to serve you and do their job, and you get angry because they can't give you your latte or that you're stuck in a queue or whatever, right? Be nice. Take a deep breath, stand, you know, take it in. And then after you've taken that deep breath, have a conversation with yourself and think, what would I do? What would I do if that was me being harassed and try and pass on the good vibes, you know, be a good person. And it doesn't take money to be a good person. It doesn't take anything. All it takes is you not to make someone else's life hell just because you are having a bad day. So be good, be nice, be kind, and forever just be yourself. Awesome. So um, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, I have a YouTube channel. You can go onto youtube.com forward slash the genius. Uh, I'm retooling it at the moment. I'm going to be posting uh, top fives and video game content and stuff soon. Um, I'm also have an Instagram. If you go to Instagram.com, Michael Burhan actor, I post videos on there regularly on IGTV uh, and also post like pictures and bits and pieces. I have a Facebook page as well, but I don't use it as much as I used to because Mark Zuckerberg's an idiot. Um <laughs> But apart from that, you check me out on IMDb. If you type Michael Burhan actor in Google, you can find a wealth of history on me. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. I'll have the links in the show notes. And yeah, please follow Michael. And yeah, he's a, he's a great follow. He's an awesome guy. And I hope to have him back on the podcast one day so we can chop up the other questions. All right. So, yeah, yeah. As I said, whenever you want me there, I'll yeah. I'll be there. I'll make some time. All right. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that, man. Thanks again for coming on the podcast, and to everyone listening, thanks for the privilege of your company. Come back again. Share the love, and yeah, keep liking and spreading the love. Keep the good vibes. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. 
and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.